The advancing dust of Arthur T. Grogan, restless in its simulated Parthenon, grew luminous from Francis's memory of a vital day long gone. The truck rolled on up the hill. Farrell, said one roadside gravestone. Kennedy, said another. Darty, McElhenney, Brunel, MacDonald, Malone, Dwyer, and Walsh, said others. Phelan, said two small ones. Francis saw the pair of Phelan stones and turned his eyes elsewhere, fearful that his infant son, Gerald, might be under one of them. He had not confronted Gerald directly since the day he let the child slip out of its diaper. He would not confront him now. He avoided the Phelan headstones, on the presumptive grounds that they belonged to another family entirely, and he was correct. These graves held two brawny young Phelan brothers. Canalers both, and both skewered by the same whiskey bottle in 1884, dumped into the Erie Canal in front of the Black Rag Saloon in Watervliet, and then pushed under and drowned with a long stick. The brothers looked at Francis's clothes, his ragged brown twill suit jacket, black baggy pants, and filthy fireman's blue shirt, and felt a kinship with him that owed nothing to blood ties. His shoes were as worn as the brogans they both had been wearing on the last day of their lives. The brothers read also in Francis's face the familiar scars of alcoholic desolation, which both had developed in their graves. For both had been deeply drunk and vulnerable when the cutthroat muggins killed them in tandem and took all their money. Forty-eight cents. We died for pennies, the brothers said in their silent, dead-drunken way to Francis, who bounced past them in the back of the truck staring at the emboldening white clouds that clotted the sky so richly at mid-morning. From the heat of the sun, Francis felt a flow of juices in his body, which he interpreted as a gift of strength from the sky. A little chilly, he said, but it's going to be a nice day. If it don't puke, said Rudy. You goddamn cuckoo bird, you don't talk about the weather that way. You got a nice day, take it. Why you want to talk about the sky puking on us? My mother was a full-blooded Cherokee, Rudy said. You're a liar. Your old lady was a mex. That's why you got them high cheekbones. Indian, I don't buy. She come off the reservation in Skokie, Illinois, went down to Chicago and got a job selling peanuts at Wrigley Field. They ain't got any Indians in Illinois. I never seen one damn Indian all the time I was out there. They keep to themselves, Rudy said. The truck passed the last inhabited section of the cemetery and moved toward a hill where raw earth was being loosened by five men with pickaxes and shovels. The driver parked and unhitched the tailgate, and Francis and Rudy leaped down. The two then joined the other five in loading the truck with the fresh dirt. Rudy mumbled aloud as he shoveled. I'm working it out. What the hell you working out now? Francis asked. The worms. Rudy said. How many worms you get in a truckload of dirt? You counting them? Hundred and eight so far, said Rudy. Dizzy bedbug, said Francis. When the truck was fully loaded, Francis and Rudy climbed atop the dirt and the driver rode them to a slope where a score of graves of the freshly dead sent up the smell of sweet putrescence, the incense of unearned mortality and interrupted dreams. The driver, who seemed inured to such odors, parked as close to the new graves as possible, 
and Rudy and Francis then carried shovelfuls of dirt to the dead while the driver dozed in the truck. Some of the dead had been buried two or three months, and yet their coffins were still burrowing deeper into the rain-softened earth. The gravid weight of the days they had lived was now seeking its equivalent level in firstborn death, creating a rectangular hollow on the surface of each grave. Some of the coffins seemed to be on their way to Middle-earth. None of the graves were yet marked with headstones, but a few were decorated with an American flag on a small stick or bunches of faded cloth flowers in clay pots. Rudy and Francis filled in one hollow, then another. Dead gladiolas, still vaguely yellow in their brown stage of death, drooped in a basket at the head of the grave of Louis, Daddy Big Dugan, the Albany pool hustler, who had died only a week or so ago from inhaling his own vomit. Daddy Big, trying futilely to memorize anew the fading memories of how he used to apply topspin and reverse English to the cue ball, recognized Franny Phelan, even though he had not seen him in twenty years.